Welcome to Level Up Academy, the podcast that's dedicated to the higher education community that brings you countless stories of employees, students, and faculty's journey in this remote world we live in. We are expanding our podcast to business leaders and community experts who are sharing their story and adversity that each one of us experienced to inspire and inform our world. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. This is Dr. Leland. Today's conversation with Mia Zambarano brings happiness and somber feeling at the same time as we reflect 2022. I wanted to talk about, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, suicide is the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S. In 2020, about approximately almost 50,000 Americans died by it. Uh, in 2020, there were all, also an estimated of 1.2 million suicide attempts, right? We already know Twitch recently in 2022, but on average, there are about 130 suicides per day. There is a crisis lifeline or hotline. You can do 988 or text TALK, T-A-L-K, to 741-741 if you are in need of help. According to World Health Organization, an estimated 703,000 people a year take their life around the world. That means, ladies and gentlemen, one person for every 40 seconds. Think about that for a moment. According to Trust for America's Health, U.S. experienced the highest ever combined rates of, to date, right, of uh, suicide or deaths, I should say, due to alcohol, drugs, and suicide. It is painful to actually see that mental health is not something that we advocate for everyone and that should be normalized. Just like physical health, we should have mental health and it should be normalized all right so here is a conversation that i am having with a licensed mental health specialist mia zambarano hello level up listeners this is dr leland your host today i have i know i say this all the time a very special guest introduce yourself to our listeners Hi, everyone. Dr. Leland, thanks for having me. My name is Mia Zambarano. I am a licensed mental health therapist and a performance consultant. So I specialize in working with highly driven, highly competitive people that just basically want to improve their performance in every aspect of life and just understanding what that means for them. Awesome. Can you, I'm going to ask a lot out of you right now. Can you kind of sum up 20 years of your life for the past 20 years like where did you start and how did you get here yeah so i love that (laughs) because it is very much a timeline and it's kind of two parallel stories that ended up merging so going back i just am someone that loves being involved with and supporting other people that's just i've always been on teams i've been you know 
kicking a ball since I could walk. So I started playing soccer right off the bat. It was very much always a part of teams on really competitive levels. And I like got my black belt by the time I was in middle school. So I just, I always loved the competitive side of things and always, always kind of immersed in a team setting. So just felt very connected to people, always loved helping people, pushing people, knowing how that made me feel really fulfilled and pushing myself. And it kind of came to a, a peak, I suppose. In my high school career, I took a psychology class. And I remember going through this course and being like, why is this not mandatory? <laughs> it made so much sense of just kind of having time to understand like how we function as humans and our thought process and, and kind of that governing force, if you will. And I just remember thinking, one, it just made so much sense to me. And two, I would love to help people understand this more so that instead of judging yourself, instead of being feeling confused or lost or whatever else might be going on, you have a concept to build off of and you have these means of coping and these means of normalizing the fact that we all have mental health. So that course was actually huge for me because it just really laid the foundation of like, this is definitely what I want to do. And I went to college, I played division one soccer and I was a psychology major. And seeing those two things, like, you know, hindsight is even more 2020, but I was just seeing so much of how people were struggling on, on and off the field, right? Friends, athletes, whatever. And you, I just didn't have a name for it at the time. But as I was building this kind of career at the same time with, with psychology and because I was so on board with it early on, which I'm very thankful for, I was going into mentoring opportunities. I was working in different school settings. I was working, you know, different, basically like right in the game. I was working at, um, so I went to Sacred Heart University in Connecticut and what like the primary surrounding high schools are Bridgeport. So it was a very difficult school district. And I remember as of my junior year, I was getting in there and I was mentoring kids and I just loved the work. I loved seeing the shift. I loved seeing how it could change so significantly, someone just knowing that they're supported, right? So then from there, after graduating and having so much of my identity be an athlete and having to kind of not fully leave it behind, but it was definitely a transition out, I took that kind of competitiveness and this education to Boston University where I completed my master's in social work. And from there, it just led to different, I was doing in-home family therapy, I was doing community-based, I was doing outpatient therapy, and ultimately ended up becoming part of a small practice, a small private practice up there. And some things personally happened, and we went from Boston to Florida. <laughs> and it was just kind of this reinvention period for me. And I became part of the agency. I got really incredible experience. And I just hit a point in my career where I wanted to make it my own. And I wanted to combine, because honestly, that work, there's such a high burnout rate. There's such a high turnover rate, right? So I knew that for me to be so aligned and show up how I wanted to, I need to have buy-in. I needed to feel really connected with what I was doing. So that kind of came to a point where now I have my own business. And I not only help people in traditional therapy, the one-to-one, -one, but I also help people who might not necessarily warrant a diagnosis, but still want to improve themselves. So I noticed that was a huge gap in my work. I was working with people and they get to this point where they're functioning now, but it doesn't meet medical necessity, but they still have so much work to do. And like that's the exciting part, right? For a lot of people. 
And I knew that there was so much more to do. So I kind of created this whole other world of how do you use these evidence-based skills to not just get by, but to really reach your highest potential. That is so amazing. That's where I am now. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's so similar. I just had another podcast recorded from Dr. Austin. He's in LA actually. And he, he's also a book author and he's like, I didn't even want to be a teacher. And they just asked me. And then when I did teach, I love it, you know, and giving back. And I feel like all of our intersection is that we learn from our experiences of of what it means to be doing it on our own and having that buy in and not having to answer with anyone because you could you could technically do better in your head of how to do the process. But because there's so many red tape, you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to do 10 steps just to go to number two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I could see that. And he did that, too. For me, with education, I see education. Like you said, there's a lot of transferable skills that's missing. You right. have theory, theory, theory. And then you know, even in the master's level, sometimes you get tested and you know have mm-hmm. all these labs. And then in reality, none of those really help on how you can function at work. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? Application is yeah. Terrible. Like, how yeah. do you deal with learning skills? Like, my boss is visual, but I'm... I'm literally audio only. How How is this right. going to work, right? And yeah, no one yeah. taught you those. No one will teach you until you figure it out. But you don't know but you don't, what you don't know. So it's hard for people to actually see that, right? And so that's where I come in. I'm like, okay, we're going to first learn to crawl this way. Then yeah. we can run later, right? Yeah. You might be athletic, but if you don't know how to do your breathing and pace yourself and all that, you're going to burn out. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to just slow down. So I love that you said that. Now, from your experiences, you do you deal what kind of age level do you deal pretty much everyone or primarily high school students, college? Yeah. So throughout my career, I've worked with, I think the youngest client I've ever worked with is three and the oldest was probably somewhere in their 80s. So I've seen a really wide range. My my niche, so to speak, is I'd say probably like high school, college, early adulthood. That being said, I work with, I still do work with people older, well-developed in their careers, especially in the performance realm, mm-hmm. right? I'd say in like the mental health and the, the traditional therapy, it's a lot of high school and college. And then a lot of people um, transitioning out of college, struggling with identity, whether it's like they were high, high-level athletes. And then performance-wise, Primarily, I work with teens and individuals at the college level or entrepreneurs, people that are wanting to get ahead in their career. Like there's kind of these mental barriers holding them back or fear that's that's limiting them. So I would I that's a lot of different things. But yeah, I mean, I see a lot of different age levels, but I'd say that the common theme is just people that know that they want more and are willing to do more. Mm, I like that. That was my next question. Like, what are the most common thing that they actually ask from you that you help? Now, mental health is, I'm glad actually that there's people like you that really care about mental health. There's a lot of teenagers that are having issues with identity because social media, let's be honest, it's in your face. They're so confused stage already. And then you're like, you can be this, you can be this. Literally, we had a... (laughs) It was um, a conversation with my daughter and I said, you know, I have this thing on my car where I can just do HOV lane, but I need a second person or mm-hmm. I can buy extra fee for no person. And my daughter's like, you could put a ball in there. And if the officer pulls you over and said, 
this ball is actually my partner. And I'm like, stop. And she's like, mom, that's how ridiculous it is right now. That's how people are right. thinking. I'm like, I could not bring myself to be like that. Like some people actually feel like that. She's like, well, you could bring a toaster and have an identity for that. I'm like, it's now like a joke when some people really are like yeah. having that issue, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's hard for me to even go there. And I even thought, okay, after my second master's, I'm getting my uh, cybersecurity master's degree. I'm second to the last class now. I said, Amazing. I need to go to psychology. I had a lot of students, I wouldn't say a lot, but maybe five at least that went mm-hmm. through a horrible time in their life. And they would call me saying, I can't do homework because I just came out from mm-hmm. trying to kill myself. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I, I yeah. don't know what to say. Right, what if right. I say well, something wrong? Like, yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of training behind that. And I think, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about mental health because I think one of the most common misconceptions is that it only relates to some of us. The reality is we have mental health just like we have physical health. Now that of course there's a spectrum of that, of like how intense we feel things or how, you know, something happens in our life. But there's so much value in being proactive. Like you wouldn't wait to start exercising or eating decently until something horrible happened, right? And you would never question someone for going to the gym to work out to take care of themselves. But as the, when you get into the mental health lane, it just it's a little different because I feel like what we don't know or what we have trouble conceptualizing, we tend to avoid, right? So, or to your point, like, we're just not trained. We were never taught how to handle that, which still baffles me, honestly, of just that, you know, we get we get basic math, we get science, social studies, English, art, uh, you know, literature, and, and phys ed, but the very thing that makes us human, understanding how we function, how our mind works, like, we were never debriefed on that. Mm-mm. And to, like, what you were saying, like, that's just our foundation. And inevitably, we're going to go through life and have things that try that in different ways, right? So it's not a matter of if, it's more of like how and when, and just feeling like you either have the support, the knowledge, or like some basic foundational tools of how to do it or what to do if that happens, I just think is a necessity, honestly, at this point. And we've seen, you know, since COVID, the numbers have gone up. Honestly, even before COVID, the numbers were going up. Yeah. Remember, I took a training, yeah. on, mind, a, a training on mindfulness, and... The United States has always been up there in terms of like self-reported anxiety and depression. And I just think it's so important to acknowledge that because you can't change or work on something that you're not willing to acknowledge. So that's one of the core messages I bring to the table in my work is just that we all have mental health and being proactive or just acknowledging it is the best thing you could do in terms of being who you want to be, accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Now, I think people now understand it, but I believe, okay, I don't have the stats, but I still feel and believe that there's still a lot of stigma, especially for teenagers. Some Mm -hmm. actually, you know, especially like maybe at a school, like it's a Christian school or something Mm -hmm. like that. Even public school now, like if you have... Um, a mental health they think it's cool right but for for some high schools that are conservative there's a stigma between like you didn't pray hard enough um Mm. and that's why you're having this issue so you know you need to pray harder instead of like hey you need professional help you need to talk to somebody who can help you go through this there's tools that we need to use like how do you actually give tools to those kinds of families 
Yeah, so I mean, that's a very fair point, and it's something I have certainly run into is depending on culture, background, upbringing, there are people who are more or less receptive. And that's where, you know, I think the more that it's talked about, and this, this could be the beauty of social media, right? It certainly has its demons, but I think that the positives is acknowledging that you're not alone and that there are places and platforms and validating environments that can help. We just have to really empower those people to find those places and know that like pursuing it yourself like at the end of the day whether you're in high school college before or after that point you can get the help you know it might look different depending on where you're at in life and what you can afford or if it's through insurance or not but there's there's always a way and whether it's listening to a podcast consistently or doing some of the work or taking notes or you know there's some youtube videos that are really valuable in terms of how to help yourself um, I created recently a YouTube channel to try to just like give free like quick content um, because I think it is so useful and it is so valuable. Uh, it's not always as readily accessible and especially if parents or partners even or whatever is not on board with it, you're going to not have the support, you may not pursue it. So I think in terms of just having the conversation, that's where it could help in terms of really empowering people to know that you can access these skills, you can access support. Yeah, I think it's just the stigma that still comes with it. Like, oh, if you're going to, you know, go to a psychologist or psychiatrist, like, oh, you're crazy. You know what I mean? And I think you still actually till today still have that. And a lot of people still feel um, that they're getting judged by that instead of like being helped and actually feel like, wow, you did a great job of recognizing you need help and ask for help. And um, what do you, what, how can, what kind of coping skills can you actually give someone who has like, let's say a high school, like my daughter, let's just say it as mm-hmm. an example, my daughter, right? And it, maybe she's having an anxiety because she doesn't know if she wants to go to college or not. But her parents, myself and my husband, like, hey, you should go to college. Um, what kind of coping skills can someone who's an 18 year old say, hey, I don't want to go to college or maybe I want to go to college, but on this one, not on that one. Yeah, so obviously there's like a very detailed response, but I'll give kind of like a, con- a condensed. So my my specific training is in cognitive behavioral therapy, which mm-hmm. is a really fancy way of like understanding how your thought process affects your reality, et cetera, and dialectical behavioral therapy, which is kind of a more concentrated area of that, but it's really this balance of mindfulness and, and action and problem solving. So you get understanding that there's an emotional side of us and there's also a logical side and being able to marry the two and being able to give yourself space to process and acknowledge what is and also understanding how to use that information to get to create change or get you where you want to be. So that's my framework. There's a lot of different approaches. So there's everything from distress tolerance skills. So crisis in the moment, I'm having a panic attack or I'm having anxiety attack or I'm having this, this major thing happen. What do I do? Right. So there are those foundational skills. And I can give examples if you'd like, but there, some of the common ones are paced breathing, so understand how to control your breath, doing different types of breath work. There's progressive muscle relaxation of how to actually physically release the tension in your body because your mind and your body are constantly communicating. So I think what's, what's talked about is <laughs> we hear the, like, change positive, right? Okay. Oh, sounds great. Why didn't I think of that, right? Like, it's, yeah. so much, it's so much easier said than done, and I, I get frustrated sometimes when I hear that because it is such a loaded concept, and it's 
you're listening in on something that's saying think positive, chances are you're having trouble doing that and tell, having someone just tell you to do that is not going to make it better. Mm-hmm. So just understanding like what narratives are there, what emotions are there, and almost learning how to befriend them and listen to them as opposed to fight them, mm. if that makes sense. Go with the flow, not against it. <laughs> Go, well, with it in terms of like, use, because our emotions are basically there to inform us. We all have them and they all serve a function. I think where we run into a lot of trouble is we try to move past them too quickly or ignore them because they're so uncomfortable. Mm. But realistically, they're, they're trying to tell us something. So, for example, fear is the core function is a perceived threat, right? It's like something might not happen for me or I might be in danger, right? Sometimes it's valid and it makes sense given the situation. And other times it's almost like overshooting the protective factor. So being able to distinguish, is this working for me or against me? I know it's trying to protect me. It's trying to let me know something significant is going on or might happen. But how do I use that to either prepare appropriately or actually protect myself if that's appropriate? So being able to like understand our emotions and then distinguish how to act or react based off of that notification, if you will, is a huge part of like core functioning and core coping. Mm. So that's a huge part. And then, um, you know, again, being able to target our thought process and just honestly too, I have to say, I always think of it as such a basic thing. (laughs) <laughs> but when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we have so much going on, what is the first thing to go? The basics, right? And without the basics, without that foundation of just telling your body and your mind that you, like your brain, did you have what you need? That's going to set you up for a completely different reality than if you're operating at this lower capacity. Like you're not going to be able to think as clearly. You're not going to be able to function as well. You're not going to you know, be able to focus, you're not going to feel well physically, and that's going to impact everything you do. And you're in this why me, you're like, why isn't this working? And it just keeps escalating until you kind of fall. I give like the example of playing limbo, like that mm. every time you take something away from yourself, whether it's sleep, nutrition, exercise, whatever, and that's what tends to happen is the more yeah. stress and the more we take away from ourselves. And the reality is the more you want to perform, the more you need to give and invest in yourself, right? So that limbo that gets really low and it kind of keeps getting lower until we we fall on our behinds and then we kind of regroup and try to intervene then. But there's so many different points of intervention earlier on. And I'd say especially for college, to your point too, like college, high school, um, even far beyond that, even some of the most successful people in the world, like the importance of just having a foundation of attending to your basic needs Mm -hmm. is so important. So important. I'm I'm glad you said about the adults to be on college and stuff because that's mm-hmm. usually some people most people are probably listening to us as well is mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about like the the stress and burnout game working remote right yeah. like do yeah. you have anyone that you that you work with no names of course mm-hmm. um that is going through like hey I just I, I feel overwhelmed I like working remote I have my you know my freedom I can do whatever I want but it seems like work doesn't trust me and they just give me all kinds of things I have to do and then it's supposed to be nine to five but then after five I pick up a phone call from my manager all the time and I don't know how yeah. to say no like is that yeah. something I actually work with a ton of people right now that are struggling with this, where they're feeling either unmotivated or so burnt out because, so here's the thing, right? Face value, it seems like such a lovely luxury to like work from home and the convenience, right? But our brain associates 
certain environments with certain things and certain feelings. So if I am working in my office and I'm also doing other things there and I'm working, taking care of my kids and then the kitchen's right there and I'm cooking and I'm doing, like there's no separation. And your brain realizes that. So like there's also like literally not having the separation with just being so accessible via email, via phone, whatever. So unless we implement those boundaries, which again, not necessarily taught, we have to kind of figure it out for ourselves or we feel like we can't because there's an assumption that it'll be penalized. Um, it's just constantly kind of interfering with our functioning. There's there's no separation as there used to be. You used to go to an office, you do your job, and then you go home and it's done. There's not that anymore, right? And then I think the other thing too is while we're, we are feeling so invaded in one aspect, we're feeling so disconnected in another, right? Like you pop on, you, it's like almost like a checklist, but When's the last time, and I work with, with people and companies on this too, like when's the last time you revisited why you're doing what you're doing or the values or the intention, right? And I feel like it is more of just like a to-do list now. So people are feeling really un unmotivated and it's harder to advocate because you're not seeing someone in real time. You're not having the same uh, quality of check-ins a lot of time. So you know that you're being overloaded or this person's getting the brunt of it or whatever. It's just kind of emails are passed on or forwarded or whatever. And, and your to-do list is building. And because it's building, that's all you're focusing on. And you're not having the space to connect or check in. So, yes. Yeah, it's just a lot. Um, and that's what I'm getting a lot of the complaints that I'm dealing with some of my team members. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just gonna look and look and look. And then I got through, I think it's called positive psychology, something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I got their information. And there's one there about stress and burnout prevention. And yeah. I read through it, their stuff's pretty good. So I was like, hmm, so I'm gonna probably create a free webinar on it. Um, it's going to be on LinkedIn just to, to see what kind of I'm glad you said barriers because they did talk about having this like instead of having physical barrier like, you know, in the freeway north and south. Right. They have a barrier so that you don't go into the other. And sometimes people still go in the, the wrong way, you know, and think of the barriers as something between separation between your work and personal life. Exactly. And every exactly. time you pick up that phone call after work, you're creating a hole in that barrier until it just weakens. You're creating a hole and you're also allowing for a new expectation, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you answer that phone call, the expectation is, oh, you're going to keep answering that phone call. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it tends to become a pattern. And by the time we realize it, it feels so out of control. And it feels so much harder to rein it back in. Yeah, because then you're like, you have an attitude. You used to pick up my call. Now you don't. And you're like, no, I just grew up. I just realized you're calling me after hours, right? Exactly, exactly. Wow. Well, before I end this conversation, what kind of tips and ideas that you would like our listeners to do as part of your work, really, and what you do for your community? So tips, I think... Something that's gotten me to the point in my career that's just so important is, is even if you're working for someone else, you can still make your work your own. And I very much believe in that we're all our own brand, if you will. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but if you're passionate about something, see if it intersects with your work. And if it doesn't, find ways to still honor that. Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, like you need to have the separation, but you also need to feel intentional about what you're doing to be able to continue doing it. Whatever field you're in, it's, it's going to ask quite a bit of you. And again, if you're talking about not just getting by, but performing at your greatest potential, 
you need to feel invested in it and you need to understand why you're doing it. And that, that really takes becoming clear on your own values and your own intentions and, and what you want out of your life. I know it sounds very like heavy, but it's true. And I think the people that take the time to cue in on that and especially, you know, I feel like we kind of have to check in at different points of our life because those things change, right? Depending on our experiences or what's happening or whatever, it's worth kind of checking back in with what what are my values and, or if that sounds too big, what's important to me right now? What's a priority? How am I honoring that? Am I aligning with it? Because most times when we feel the most uncomfortable or most unmotivated, we're not. We're not doing things that align with, with those concepts. So I'd say definitely just taking a beat to identify what that is. And if you're having trouble with that, there's obviously resources and, and people like myself <laughs> that can help with that. Um, but also just when in doubt, don't forget how important the basics are. And perspective, I think, is a huge one too. Just being able to put things in perspective. Things might seem like the end of the world in the moment. And, and they're not. Like you you will get by. You There are some ways of getting support. There are ways of getting through it. Um, you're not alone. We've all gone through, I don't want to speak for everyone, but most of us have gone through feeling a great deal of distress and uncertainty and just knowing that there's another side to that and that there can be the potential for so much growth and learning. Honestly, feel like that is where a lot of our growth lies, is giving yourself permission to pursue and overcome. So as far as tips, like I feel like just giving yourself to pursue what you're passionate about or at least finding a way to incorporate that. I love that I get to work with athletes, as, even though I'm, I'm, I play for fun now. <laughs> I'm not highly, as highly competitive as I was. It's so fulfilling to be able to help people who are in that moment of their life, yeah, right, or who are pursuing that. And it's still in my area of expertise. So yeah. It's been a really fun way to, to make, such an impact for people that haven't been exposed to that type of support, but also like carrying a piece of an authentic version of me into that work as well that like I understand. So definitely that, I know that's big scale, but that's anything you do. If you have a creative side, tap into that. Coping, you know, again, get, get in tune with your emotions. I feel like we tend to demonize them, but they're trying to tell you something. Yeah. They're, they're trying to inform us and, there's a difference between the kind of dwelling or being stuck in an emotion and listening to it and acting on behalf of it in, in an informed way, right? So I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. I'm actually trying to formulate, like, do you actually, like, how do you feel about meditation, incorporating it with your oh, coping skills? Absolutely. And there's different, like, you can call it prayer, you can call it meditation, there's guided imagery. I absolutely work on incorporating that in both therapy and performance uh, because meditation is, is basically an extension of mindfulness, which is the core of what we need to function, believe it or not, is just being able to focus on one thing at a time, non-judgmentally, and, and just being able to be in tune with what is. As we mentioned before, you can't create change or do something different or expand upon something if you're not willing to look at what the reality is. Yeah. And being able to break down, being mindful of your emotions, being mindful of the situation, right? And there's there's a bit of acceptance there, not because we're accepting this as like an ultimate reality, but again, if I, if I accept that, you know, 
for example, COVID, right? We, none of us had a choice in that. Mm-mm. So if, if you say like, okay, this is the reality instead of being in denial, you can understand how to formulate or shift your perspective or shift how you cope or what's in your control to make that more manageable. Yeah. That sense? Yeah. So I think I most think of us are control freaks though. Like, oh my God, we want to do yeah. this and that and that. And, you, and sometimes it really told you, you have no control over anything when it wants to happen. Right. right. You have to go yeah. with what you have and go from there. And like people like you can help. I wanted to also kind of put it out there. I know you're in the USA. I have a lot of um, international mm-hmm. listeners. You're in the USA. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to collaborate with you or if they wanted to ask you questions or ask for your services, where can they find you yeah absolutely so i'm on on linkedin mia gardner zambrano uh, but, but say my other primary platform would be instagram a lot of different ways to contact me okay i'm very open i offer free consultations you can schedule like 15 20 minute consults that are completely complimentary so i'd be more than happy whether it's to, to network or collaborate or if you have questions or you're interested in the services for yourself or your team or your company whatever it may be it's just something i'm really passionate about i'm happy to talk or answer questions about any of those things that is so amazing thank you so much for your time today i appreciate absolutely. you absolutely yeah no thank you for having me Thank you for listening to my podcast today. If you have any questions, email me at lua at leveluppbydocleland.com. Lua, L-U-A-B-Y-D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D.com. It's open for consultations and courses will be offered soon. I will see you in my next episode. Stay connected, informed, and inspired. Until next time.